this week's podcast, you'll be hearing a discussion about our Media Literacy 2 unit. Um, participating today will be Crystal, Emily, Julia, and me. All people, especially children, learn from the media and their environments, what they see, what they hear, and ultimately what they experience. This media surrounds us. How can we sort through the digital media today? To help media literacy, of course. The skills that help us analyze media content consumed and produced. Through our own personal analysis and discussion of the information in both this week's resources and the resources from Media Literacy One, we have decided to highlight on some key points. Focusing on our role as educators and parents in the growing digital world that we live in today, like Buckingham states, we need to be aware of assuming that the experiences our students and all students have with digital media are all the same. We ourselves need to understand the media and the avenues of that media throughout our culture and the minds of our youth. With that, we need to discuss and work collectively to a unanimous and seamless integration of media literacy into the education system. In this week's reading of Media Manipulation and Disinformation Online by Marwick and Lewis, the beginning section discusses many of the different groups online, including men's rights movements, gamer gators, trolls, conspiracy theorists, anti-immigration activists, and the alt-right groups. In the interest of time, we're not going to discuss each, but I wanted to touch upon a few things in the section and tie it to educating our youth. The article mentions how the groups all leverage the techniques of participatory culture and the affordances of social media to spread their various beliefs. Trolling, forming organized brigades like cyber mobs, networked groups and memes, are all methods used to spread ideas or to support a common cause. Alt-Right has been known to use the media's fascination with new and novelty things to give their rebranded white nationalism or white supremacy mass exposure again. These people and groups operate out of things like blogs, websites, forums, and social media, and sometimes they're even geared towards millennials or youth to gain new members or promote and spread ideas. Besides adults being exposed to this, our children and youth are. Misinformation is at their fingertips. As educators and parents, what do we do? Crystal, I really liked the question that you posed, also the connections that you made to the reading. I would like to add what I feel is the best action to alleviate the misinformation that is consumed by our students and children. My personal opinion would be to provide students and children with multiple resources, both technological and traditional, new and old. 1.0 and 2.0. With these resources, they will synthesize information and determine its validity based on a set of skills, actions, feelings, behaviors, and more. I think it would be good to highlight on the negatives behind these alt-right groups, their cyberbullying tactics, their overwhelming and consistent flow of bias information, their targeting of millennials and minors. These subcultures created on the web are precarious. How can we help our children discern what is truthful, progressive, and relevant from what is deceitful, immoral, and sometimes dangerous? That is a really great question, Emily. To add to it, I would like to touch on the role of mainstream media, which also includes our own roles and our students' roles in how we participate with media. Specifically, I am talking about social media practices like commenting, sharing, and even debunking fake news and the like online. The media manipulation reading that we had this week points out that 
many of these harmful alt-right beliefs would remain subcultural were it not for their amplification by mainstream media. So we need to learn and teach good and safe practices to our students for sharing this information in a way that does not strengthen and spread things like conspiracy theories, fake news, oppressive messaging, etc. I agree, Julia. It's so important to learn how to engage with the new media. I see so many of my own students and even older generations, like family members, completely convinced and upset over something they saw online. It turned out just to be an inflammatory fake article written by a troll looking for responses. With so much information out there made by everyday people, it's important that we know how to recognize what the kind of information we're looking at. The Marwick and Lewis reading mentioned red pilling, a form of radicalization and how some people are more susceptible to influence by these harmful ideologies. Young people tend to try and find a place to fit in, and if they don't have the critical skills, they can be very easily manipulated or swayed to fit in with these groups. Julia and Shelby make great points. I think that in order to teach these good and safe practices, we need to shed light on all sides of the media presented on a particular subject. For instance, news from various television shows such as Fox, CNN, or BBC can all promote different opinions and information surrounding a particular topic in the news. Mentioned in the Merwick and Lewis article on page 42, such widespread distrust of the mainstream media from both the left and the right helped create these current conditions. Both sides are guilty of overpopulating us with information that can be biased and sway one way or another, but we have to be able to take in each perspective and choose the pathway for ourselves through forms of analysis and theoretical conceptualization, not get targeted and manipulated to feel one way or another. With this in mind, how can we connect both Media 1.0 and 2.0 skills together to help us become better learners or better interpreters? To begin to answer your question, Emily, um, and I think it's a big question, uh, there was a passage on this in the Buckingham reading where he states that although new media can offer new opportunities for, for participation and creative communication, it would be wrong to assume that participation is always a good thing, or even that it is necessarily democratic, countercultural, or liberating. All of this needs critical reflection, and it needs to be combined with critical analysis. Although how that combination happens is a genuinely difficult question. So it seems that while we have a general idea of what needs to be done, how exactly we achieve these ends is a much greater challenge. And one of the issues we're facing with this is the gap between our common culture and our students. We grew up with different technology. I personally struggle in class with understanding the technology that the students are using, but should I have to learn it all so I can connect? The Buckingham reading suggests that we don't have to get on their level exactly, we should be looking at both new media's influence on them and how we can utilize and understand this new web 2.0. I agree, Shelby, with everything you said, and that's all true, assuming our students even have access to technology at home and at school. There are also digital divides where there is diversity and inequalities regarding the youth's experience with technology. 
We cannot ignore these social inequalities and divides, nor can we assume they will be resolved by putting a piece of technology in every child's hand. We need media 1.0 skills first to have media 2.0. That's a great point, Crystal. These students are at a disadvantage of not having the amateur knowledge their other peers have. But on another level as well, students who do have access may think that they know everything, but that often isn't the case. Being able to make a good Instagram post get a lot of likes, or knowing how to make a YouTube video doesn't necessarily translate to being able to valuably, valuably <laughs> use and understand media. It sounds like everyone could use some media education. Well, looking how media can be manipulated and how it takes a critical view to see the truth, it seems like it's important that we teach our students about both media 1.0 and 2.0 so they can make smart choices about all the new media surrounding them. Despite our current situations and our present educational environments, it's important for us as teachers to take away from this. The idea that we still need to educate our students with the old, the media 1.0, the basic set of skills necessary to help them be better members of society, better people, and overall well-rounded, well educated individuals. Thank you for listening in today, and we hope that you were able to take away something from our discussion.